So good to see you here tonight. It has been one of those days. And I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord right now. Uh, it's been a week. But uh, God's been good. We're thankful for that. Looking forward to somebody catch that runaway. <laughs> you whip him, just don't kill him. Thankful for the blessings of the Lord. I need to tell you about Brother Landon. Most of y'all, you, you, I know you all love him, but Brother Landon was, uh, he was quite a character when he was small and his dad, uh, had to get him up and take him out one night. And just as they were walking out the back of the auditorium, he yells out, church, pray, pray, church, pray. Every time I see one of these kids acting up, I think about that. I'm thinking, my, how times have changed. I don't know if it was just me or if it had something to do with what I think God would like to speak to us tonight. But every time I've had opportunity to really focus today and yesterday, there has been an interruption and uh, so you're going to have to bear with me for a little while. I, But I do want to talk to you about something I feel like is critically important. Uh, and I, I feel like the Lord would like to talk to us. Romans chapter 12. Uh, it is not a new passage of scripture by any means. Most of you probably could quote Romans 12, 1 and 2, but let's go there. And um, let's read. Sister Gay, it's good to have you here tonight. Bless you for being with us. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, by brethren, by the mercies of God... The motivation behind what he is urging them toward is the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, if you will permit me to, let me very quickly read that portion from the message translation. It said, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. 
don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. Amen. How many of you believe that tonight? God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Amen. For a few moments tonight, I want to talk to you from the subject, God's best for you. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Change is something that is essential to life. I think most of us understand clearly tonight that if there were no changes in our world or in our atmosphere, we would die from all of the toxins and poisons that are emitted from our world every day. And if there was no movement, of the air, no change, uh, we would certainly be, if not dead, very sick. Uh, we have a world and we live in a world that is in constant flux and flow. The winds are always blowing somewhere because of the movements of the earth that God set in place in its beginning. He talks about times and seasons and days and nights are mentioned because life, for it to be fulfilling and successful, must involve change. And change is inevitable. You you can resist as long as you want, but try as hard as you can I hate to inform you, but you are getting older. And so am I. Try as you will, you cannot stop that. That process is an ongoing process. Time is an ongoing process. As much as we would like to capture a moment and and really relish it and enjoy it. We, we don't have that prerogative. We have to live it and move on because time is in constant change. And our life is affected by that. But this is what I want you to understand in the beginning is that not all change is beneficial. Change for the sake of change is not necessarily beneficial to my life. And so when we talk about change, I want to talk about the changes, the right kind of changes that will benefit my life and bless my life and make me better. Amen. I don't want just 
to change for change's sake. I want that change to be leading me somewhere. I want it to be taking me to a better place. Somebody say a better place. Amen. Anybody interested in being a better you? Amen. I've, I've had to pray today that God would forgive me for being such a poor uh, piece of specimen to have to work with. And I'm thankful for the mercies of God tonight. Because if it were not for the mercies of God, I know I would not be here. I'm not sure about the rest of you, but I know for certain I would not be here. But I'm thankful that the mercies of God are operating tonight. And they're available to us. And they are there for the purpose of helping us. Not hindering us, not hurting us, not condemning us, but opening doors and vistas of opportunity so that we can grow, that we can become the, the kind of person God created us to be, and that we would grow closer to Him. And in our text, Paul identifies two kinds of changes that can take place in a person's life. And I don't want to go into the depth of that, but he identifies in those two changes, the one that will ultimately bring the best result to you and I. And that is what I'm interested in. I don't want to just go through life and <clears throat> and things change, but they never lead to something better. I don't want to go through life and things change and a year from now I'm in the same place I am tonight. I want that change to be moving me towards something, something better, something greater, something closer to what he intended for me to be in my life. And so I want you to explore with me and you'll have to forgive me, but sometimes when I get to studying there are certain words that leap out at me and they they capture my attention. And I guess I have attention deficit disorder because I get off track real quick. And I, 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 I go in depth in trying to understand that one word because I've discovered this about the word of God. One word can make all the difference in the world. Amen. And I, when I was reading this, I was struck by several things that we are often reminded of. But the the one statement that Paul made was to be not conformed. Now, it leaves the strong indication in my mind that something is going on in our lives that is trying to affect us, that is trying to influence us. And that influence, what, whatever it is that ultimately influences our life is going to result in an outcome that will either make us better or it will make us something else. And, and so when he talks about be not conformed, obviously there is, uh, the, the opposite of not being conformed. And so it left my mind with the impression that something is going on here that Paul wants to bring to our attention. And the outcome of that will affect my life for good or bad. It will either bring me closer to my purpose or it will bring me closer to God's design for my life 
or it will move me away from that. And so basically he highlights that there are two worlds that are vying for my attention. There are two worlds and two ways of living and two ways of of acting and two ways of thinking. There is a system in operation in this world that is in opposition to God's purpose for my life. And Paul highlights that. And in this passage, he uses the word world. Now, under normal circumstances, when you read that word in the scripture, especially in the New Testament, it is the word cosmos, which is literally referring to the material universe, the stars, the moon, the trees, everything that surrounds us, the economy of uh, our, our natural world. But in this passage, he uses another word. The word is aeon. And in, in using that word, he narrows the focus from just the large world that we live in, the planet Earth, to a more specific place and a more specific thing. And the word literally means an age or a generation of men. And in that, he was talking about or inferring the habits and the lifestyle and the systems that make up this uh, age or this generation of people, the motivation behind what they're doing. But what picked my attention is that he didn't just say, be not conformed to a world. He said, be not conformed to this world. And when he used that word, that word becomes an identifier. It helps you understand the meaning of that word world because it's not just talking about this big world and it's not just talking about a system of government or a lifestyle or a philosophy or an ideology, but he was narrowing that world down to my world. Everybody say my world. My world. This world. Be not conformed to this world. And when I read that, I, 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 I tried to do a little study on the word this, and I found out that it means the present state of things. The present state of things. The things that are here and now in my life. So he's not just talking about not being conformed to this, this, the, the, the whole system of this world. He's not being, uh, he, he's not speaking just in mind. He is inferring that, but he narrows that down to something more specific. And it's not just a world, but it's, it's my world that he's really trying to get to when he talks about this world. He is, identifying this present state of things. And when I when I say the present state of things, I am not talking about the world in general, but I am talking about the stuff that's going on in your life and my life right now. 
my world, my job, my family, my relationships, my finances, my future. Amen. Mine right now. This present life that I am living. What is going on in your present world? Your world. Amen. You see, we love to talk and think about things in general, but it gets really tough when God narrows all that down. He said, no, I won't talk about you. Amen. I want to talk to you. I want to help you. And we love it when God talks to us corporately, but I feel like God wants to talk to us individually tonight. He He wants to help us understand something. And, and so when I began reading that, the question that came to my mind is what is going on in my world right now? What's going on in my life? And then when I, I thought about that for a little while, I realized the reason that God was trying to get me to focus my attention on my world, not just the world or a world, but my world is because my world is affecting my response to life and how I respond to life. And the question that begins to come up in my mind now is, is this present state of things affecting my life? And the answer is, yes, it is. One way or the other. What you're going through right now, what you're facing, what you're dealing with, you are facing those Things that are before you right now, the pressures, the problems, all the anxieties that come with living life and all of the things, the, the ebb and flow of, of, of highs and lows and emotions and, and, and part of the month you're up here and part of the month you're down here and part of the month you don't know where you are. That's what he's trying to get me to understand. That is affecting me. And the question is, how is, What is it pushing me toward? What is it driving me to? And so he said, be not conformed to this present world. This, the word is, this is present. You could, the present world, my present situation, my present circumstances. And so is my present circumstances affecting my life? And the answer is absolutely, unequivocally, no doubt, yes, it is. But how is it affecting it? What's it driving me to? What is it pressing out of me or into me? How is it affecting and how more off more, more importantly, how is it influencing my thought life? How is it influencing my emotions? How is it influencing my morals or my standards about which I conduct my life? How are my present circumstances affecting the way I live right now? Is it fostering in me? A life 
a response to life that is helping me get closer to God? Is it helping me become a better person? Or is it revealing more and more of my flesh and my carnality and my weakness? And I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm talking to myself right now. So you're just listening in. All right. I'm not preaching at you. I'm talking to myself. I'm going to let you listen. I, but I had to ask myself, is what I'm going through right now affecting me? Yes. But how is it affecting me? What is it producing change wise? Because it is changing me. One thing or another is influencing me. One thing or another is molding me. One thing or another is shaping me. My thoughts, my mind, my peace, my joy, my happiness, my contentment. All of those things are being affected by what's going on in this present world. My present world. And so... I have to ask myself, is it fostering in me a response to life that is bringing me closer to him? Or is it revealing more of my lack of him? And so I I, I started thinking about present things. Present things. Everybody say present things. Paul talked about them. And I didn't go into an in-depth study, but present things have a way of affecting us. What goes on on your job? What goes on in your home? What goes on in your marriage? What goes on with your relationships? What goes on within the church? What goes on between brothers and sisters? What goes on on a daily basis with your kids and your finances and all of that other stuff we have to deal with in life? All of those things, present things have a way of affecting us. And we don't like to admit it, but many times the reason our attitude is so bent out of shape sometimes and we snap at people we love is because of what we're feeling, the pressure of what we're feeling at the moment. Something we dealt with on the job or with somebody or some nitwit on the freeway or some, some lunatic driving down, uh, 528 and they, you know, they pull over and, and, uh, all these things and you, you, you know, you gotta keep the Holy Ghost during all of this and, and you're supposed to be mindful when you wave to make sure it's a glorious wave. Yeah. Go ahead. Go, go right on. But, um, and you'll have to per, per, Forgive me, sometimes I get too crude. I don't mean to be that way, but you understand. I'm, I'm just being real. I, I, I know you, uh, I know several of you have your halos already and some of you got your wings, but I don't have either of them yet. And I'm still dealing with flesh and I still have to get up in the morning and beat it down and say, no, you're not ruling today. Man, at about the time I think I've got it under subjection, some other guy pulls out in front of me. Or somebody sitting at the, at the red light texting when the light turns green, they're still sitting there. Amen. I'm talking about what's going on in our world, right? My world right now that's affecting me. What is it driving me to? What is it producing? What is it causing to come or be revealed in my life? 
And so what is it fostering? Present things. Paul said in Romans 8.38 that they have a separating power. Now he said that nothing shall separate us. And then he names all of these things. But in saying nothing shall, he was admitting that they do have the ability to separate us. What do they separate us from? They separate us from peace. They separate us from our joy. They separate us from happiness. They separate us from contentment. When I'm not responding the way I ought to be responding to this world that I live in, I can find jealousy cropping up in my life at the most inopportune time. I just, you walk into a place and you buy a brand new car, you drive it off the parking lot, and you see somebody that's got a more expensive car, and you think, well, why couldn't I have bought that? Now, I know y'all don't think about those things. But have you ever wanted a better house? And then you got that house and then you went to somebody else's house that was a little bigger than yours. And you thought, man, our little old dump. What do you mean dump? <laughs> and so <clears throat> present things have a way of separating us from contentment. Paul said this, I've learned to be content. I, I, I know how to abound. I, I know how to live in plenty. I also know how to live in poverty. Wouldn't it be great to be able to get to the place spiritually that where your finances don't control how you feel? Your friends don't control how you feel? How they treat you don't control how you feel? What they say to you doesn't affect how you feel. Wouldn't it be great to be able to come to a place in God that you have found your contentment in Him? Not in things, not in my circumstances, not in my present surroundings, but I have found my contentment in Him. And because my contentment is in Him, I know how to live in a million dollar mansion. I know how to live in a hut. And I'm not going to gripe when I'm in the hut. And I'm not going to crow when I'm in the palace. You know, it's amazing. I'm going to get off on a sidetrack. It's amazing. You ever Anybody ever driven a really, really, really expensive car? I mean, super expensive car for me. I don't want to name cars because some of you may have them. And you think, well, that's not so expensive. But to me, there are some of them that are... I remember at one dealership, my, we were waiting on some service work and I walked in the showroom and there was this one particular model vehicle and I always thought, man, they are so nice. I thought, boy, this would be great to have. And when I looked at that and compared the little thing that we had, I thought, wow, man, we, this, this is it. We, we need to get this. And then I happened to look in the window and saw the sticker and I, I just went into cardiac arrest. And my granddaughter was up inside. I said, oh, babe, get out of there right now. I don't want anything to be broken because I don't want to have to buy this thing. But you know what? When you get behind the wheel of that Bentley or whatever it is that you think's up there, it does something in here. You get in the, you get behind the driver's wheel of a convertible, uh, 
well, we'll just call it a really expensive sports car, maybe a Porsche convertible. It's amazing the change in the attitude. You you see people going down the road in these old clunkers, and they're driving like this. You see somebody in a brand new Mercedes sports coupe with the top down. You don't see them driving like this. They got their head back, and there's because where we are affects what we think about ourselves and our circumstances. And Paul said, I've learned to not let where I am have anything to do with what goes on up here or in here. Because I've learned that what I need doesn't come from that. You could buy the best Rolls Royce in the world and that's still not going to satisfy you. And you could buy the biggest mansion that's up for sale right now for $250 million. And you still wouldn't be happy there because that cannot supply what goes on in here. There's only one that can do that and you need to make sure that you get that one thing right in your life. What is influencing you in your life has got to be from the right source. Be not conformed to this world. Don't let what's going on in your world affect your life in a negative way. Don't let what's going on in your world affect your thinking in a negative way. Don't let it affect your attitude in a negative way. Come on, I feel anointed right now. <laughs> I feel like I'm meddling, but I feel anointed when I meddle sometimes. How many of us would have to confess tonight that when we're really under pressure, our attitude is not always the best. That's not the best time to meet us. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm going to get through this. My time's running out. Because it is present. It's the present state of things. That is determining the state of my happiness, my freedom, my peace. And if that is what is affecting those things, then I'm in trouble. Because my circumstances can change just like that. So what happens when you go from feast to famine? Oh, I'm telling you what most of the time happens. We fall over the altar. Oh, God! Oh, you just don't know how bad it is! God, you gotta help us! And then when God's just pouring it on, we, you can't even get pride to the altar. And it's like, I thank thee, oh God, blessed Father. Come on. What happened? We think we got something we don't. Pardon my crude English, but because if present, if the present state of things is determining the state of my happiness or my peace or my contentment or my attitude, my frame of mind, my disposition, then I'm 
in trouble. Because when that happens, I am conforming, not being transformed. When I allow this world right here to have more impact on me than this world, I am conforming. I am giving in to Satan's subtle work to try to keep me away from God's best. Because the scripture already tells me that God's desire for me and for you is his best. What God wants to do is to bring us to his very best. And the world is working on the other side trying to keep me from God's best. And so it creates all of these illusions. Well, you can't be happy without that. And you can't be happy without this. And you can't know joy without this. And you can't have peace without this. And you can't have good relationship without this. And it's all a lie. It's all a lie. It's all a means to try to hold you back from what God's trying to take you toward. Amen. Praise God. And that's what happens when we give in. And the separating power of those. I can't get away from that. I'm telling you, I... I, I am guilty. I, I confess tonight. I've confessed to the Lord today. I'm guilty of allowing, and, and today's been full of it. Every kind of irritation, every kind of distraction you could imagine, every time you try to put your head to do something for God, the enemy throws something else in the way. And if you're not careful, you get to fighting things. And things are always going to win when you fight things. Amen. But if we can ever learn the secret to this, it's not really a secret. The end result is that we be not. Somebody say be not. Now I'm not real smart, but that means let's not let this happen. Don't let this happen. Do not let this world influence your life and do not let it have influence over your life. Let my world have influence over your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. The state of things in my life do not have to determine my happiness or my joy and not allowing myself to be affected by the world, but by the word. Amen. Oh God, help me right now. I need to say that again. We need to stop allowing our lives to be affected by the world Our world, our circumstances, our present situation, all the junk we're going through right now, all the troubles we're dealing with right now, all the issues in our relationship that we're struggling with, let's not let that affect us, but let the Word affect us. Let the Word transform us. Metamorphosis is the word that we use in our modern English And it means a total, a total 
change. Not an alteration. Not a modification. But a total change. A total makeover. A renewing that comes from the Spirit. It comes through His mercies. His mercies enable us to have our mind, our thinking so affected so that what's happening around us does not disturb us and it does not strip us of our peace or steal from us our joy or take away from us our contentment. But we can be like Paul. I've learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. It doesn't matter where I'm at. God's in either place. As a matter of fact, when I keep my eye on Him, He never leaves me nor forsakes me. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him a little praise right now. Hallelujah. Amen. So the antidote to these present things is transformation. What I need is a complete change. Of my mind. A total change. One translation said to change into another form. Amen. Now we like attitude adjustment hour. That's what they call the five o'clock drink hour at the local pub. Attitude adjustment hour. And that's all that that does is just, it just, Numbs all that for a little while and they seem like for a little while they're doing better. But you know what? We don't have to have alcohol to do that. We can numb ourselves with other things. We can numb ourselves with busyness. We can numb ourselves with activities. We can numb ourselves with, with distractions of every kind. Become involved in things we don't, but, but it doesn't change anything. It just numbs it. It just, kind of mellows it for a few moments. It takes the edge. I asked a person one time, I said, why do you do that? Why do you do that? When you know the end result, why do you keep doing that? And they said, because it knocks the edge off of life and it makes what I'm going through tolerable. But it said it doesn't solve anything. When you wake up in the morning, all that stuff is still there. And most of the time it's bigger than it was before you went to bed. There's a better way. And Paul said, the way that takes me to God's best is not letting that world press me and push me and try to reduce me, but let his spirit transform me and make a new creation out of me and make take my mind and let that be the avenue through which you work in my life. And when the mind becomes transformed, then all of the outer part of my life begins to affect. But here's what's wrong with us. We as a world tend to work on the outside before we work on the inside. And Jesus said, or, or Paul said in our text, the secret to transformation is not starting on the, it's not changing all of this because this stuff may never change. And the other thing is, I've told you this before, this all may change. But if this hasn't changed, 
This changing is not going to affect your life one. You're not going to be able to be benefit from that. I'll figure out a way to mess up this new thing that God's done. If there's not a transformation in my mind, if somehow I cannot get to the place where his, his spirit can wash my mind and cleanse my mind and this word can so fill my mind with his purpose and his love and his mercy and his desire for me, God could change all of this. He could take away all my problems. He could solve all my mysteries. He could fix all my relationship issues. But if there's not a change in here, if there's not a change in my mind, I'll find a way to sabotage what God's changed in my world. I don't need my world. I'd like for my world to change, but I don't really need my world to change. What I need to change is my mind. Amen. And this is what I wrote down. And it's so simple, yet it's so profound. The renewing of my mind transforms my life. It creates something brand new. Amen. And when there's a new you, there's going to be a new outlook. And you know what I've learned about life? I've learned that you can get so caught up in life that you get tunnel vision and all you can see is right there. Until you step away from it. And then it's like your mind is completely washed. And when you step back to it, you see the whole picture, not just that one spot. It's kind of like my preaching. Sometimes I I get so narrowed on one thing, I have to step away. And I'm just being honest, but there have been times that I've just had mental block and roadblock. And I I, I, I thought, God, I know there's something here you're trying to say. And and, and I'm just trying uh, hours at the computer and hours in the Bible and nothing breaks. And then I, I get up and walk away from it. And while I'm in there brushing my teeth, bingo. All of what God, what I've been reading and what God's been trying to say to me, all of a sudden it came clear because there was an opportunity for my mind to be transformed. And that's what God said. That's what takes you to the very best that I have. It's not letting your circumstances beat you down and push you into something that's not good for you. But it's allowing my spirit. It's yielding yourself as a vessel. It's surrendering your life as a living sacrifice that allows me to do the transformation in you that will bring you to a better place, a better you. Amen. If present things are not going to get the best of me, then I need my mind renewed. Sometimes every hour of the day. Amen. Sometimes I can have it renewed daily, but sometimes I need it every other second of the day. Amen. Because that is the only thing that is going to get the best in me to come out. That's the only thing that God's going to be able to use to bring me to that place where I'm more like him and I am more in his likeness. Where is the input coming from that's going to my mind right now? Is it the world I live in? Is it coming from the circumstances I'm having to live through? Or is it coming from the one whose mercies never end and his mercies go to the end of the world and his mercies that are 
are new every morning. And his mercies that if I allow myself to be inundated by them and I just throw myself into them, sacrifice myself to them. He said, I'll, that there's a transformation that can come into your life. Amen. I'm, I'm closing. Stand with me. Sometimes I, I, I have to ask myself questions that I don't like to answer because they're too painful. But I do that because I, I want to be better. Amen. You know, it's, it's easy to look around life and find some reason why I'm not what I need to be or where I need to be. Most of the time it's easy to point to somebody or something and say, you know what, if it wasn't for that, I'd probably be closer to God. I'd be more spiritual. I'd pray more. I'd be easier to live with, all that stuff. But every once in a while, I have to stop and I have to ask myself, and it's very painful. I'm not being facetious. I'm being serious right now. It is very, very painful. But I have to ask myself, what is limiting me? What is holding me back? What is what is checking my progress spiritually? And many times when I'm honest with myself, I realize that it's present things. It's the stuff going on in my world right now. And Paul said, there's an antidote to that. I'm going to give you the secret. Allowing our minds to be transformed. And when that mind is transformed, that renewing of our mind transforms our life. How is our mind renewed? Maybe I'll preach about that next week. That's a whole other message all in itself. But Paul's language indicates a change that affects not only my outward circumstances, but more importantly, it changes and affects my inner circumstances. And really, if I'll change this in here, it will always show out here. Amen. And that's real change. Paul's language speaks of a course of life. And he contrasts two models. And lasting and significant change, Paul says, really comes from within, not from without. Amen. People try to change locations. They try to change houses. They try to change jobs. They try to change cars. They try to change friends. God forbid some of them try to even change spouses, but that doesn't change the things that really need to be changed. To confront the same problems over and over again is what usually happens. But if I will allow my mind to be renewed and I will bring it to that place where it can be renewed, then there is a transformation that takes place. And God lifts me above my circumstances. And it doesn't matter whether it's feast or famine. I still know how to celebrate. Amen. Amen. Habakkuk said, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be on the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail. There shall be no, no, no herds in the stall. He, he, he named every calamity that could happen, everything that could literally crush an economy. 
was what he was talking about. All of those things were the staples of the economy. They are what kept their world afloat. But he said, if they all fail, yet I will shout aloud and dance about. He said, I will rejoice in the Lord. But the Greek or the Hebrew says, I will shout aloud and and rejoice. One indicates a spinning around. What are you doing, Abaka? What is wrong? Have you lost your mind? No, I've just had my mind renewed. I hadn't lost my mind. It's just been renewed. And when you get your mind renewed, you realize that these things are not what is important. But this thing right here is what matters. And when you can triumph here. You can deal with this. Amen. And do you know what? All the prayers that Paul prayed, he never prayed himself completely out of prison. But I hear him at the end say, Timothy, just want you to be mindful. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness and not for me also, but for those. Amen. It's not, it's not impossible to have that kind of attitude in the face of what he was fixing to die. Amen. But it's all right to die when you know who holds life. Amen. It's all right if life kills you. His spirit will resurrect you. Because if the spirit that is in you, that was in him, there will be a coming up. The ground will not hold you. Your circumstances will not hold you. Your problems will not hold you. There will be a resurrection. If the spirit of Christ dwell in you, he that quicken him will quicken you. You'll, you'll come out of it. Whether it's a grave or whether it's just a temporary setback right here in this world. Amen. God wants to give us the best that he can. But he's limited to what we will let him do. And it all starts with me presenting my body a living sacrifice. That's where it starts. If I don't do that step, that renewing cannot be possible. Amen. How about you, church? I'm hungry for God's best. I won't, I, I'm, I'm not satisfied. I don't feel like we're where we need to be right now. I feel like there's a whole lot more out there. And if we can stop letting these circumstances, I'm preaching to myself, if I'll stop letting all this affect me so much and let this influence me more. Amen. Nothing shall by any means separate me from the love of God. Praise God. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Let's praise him together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence tonight, God. Thank you for your peace that passeth all understanding, your joy that is complete. Bless your people tonight, God. Keep us safe in your care. Watch over us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. If you hurry up, you might be able to get out there and steal a piece of cheesecake from that other class.